Hey everybody, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us today. We're in week number three of our How to Echo message series. I'm excited today to be with Stacy. Yeah, it's exciting to be here. Thanks for having me. I always love when um, we get to bring the message together, um, particularly because uh, you make me look better than I really am. Thanks. Not just physically, but in so many other ways. All so, right. Thanks for, good. thanks for being up here. Um, we're going to talk today about a very important subject that fits with our mission as a church. Um, as you probably have heard the last couple of weeks, we've been saying that our mission is that we exist to urgently lead people to say yes to Jesus. What's the rest of it? And Put passionately down. follow and him. And passionately follow him. And uh, it's important during the season to focus on what does it look like to live on mission, to live with a sense of purpose. I know for all of us, this season has disrupted so many aspects of our lives. And there's something significant about coming back to asking the question, why am I here? Why did God place me on planet earth? And how do I, even in seasons of crisis and disruption, live with purpose? So we have four yeses as a church uh, to say yes to Jesus. I wonder how many of these you could march through of our yeses. I'll put yeah. you on the spot. Okay. Last week you talked us through saying yes to grow, Yes. right? And, and growing in our relationship with God. And then this week we're talking about yes to connecting. And, uh, and then in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about yes to serving and then yes to echoing uh, and being on mission for God. Yeah. So it's possible in the midst of crisis to still say yes to God. Uh, there are a lot of other areas of your life that might be in flux, but your relationship with God can grow and thrive in any season of your life. Uh, but as we talk today about the subject of connecting or connection, I think we can all agree that COVID has made it harder to connect. So much harder. Yes. I just feel like I'm, I'm hidden. I'm hidden behind my mask. And I, I can't even talk to people when I see them at the grocery store. Or even when you see people in person that you know, you just feel kind of limited in your desire to talk because it's harder to talk from behind a mask. And you have yes. to talk louder. And you have to stand further away. And so there's like this mental barrier of, of not even wanting to try to connect as you typically would because you're hidden behind a mask. Yeah, and what I think we've all seen is that this difficulty in connection, um, it, it ranges all the way from young kids through people who are in our generation, that everybody's struggling. Uh, one of the other interesting things is being on Zoom calls. And Zoom calls, you know, you, get, you can be on multiple Zoom calls back to back and you have the awkwardness of people's computers going out and then you talking and pouring out your heart and then a minute later realizing that you've been muted the whole time and you've got tears flowing down your face. <laughs> it's so awkward. Yeah. Yeah, it feels a little unnatural because only one person can talk at a time and you can't hear anyone else's feedback and then another person starts trying to talk but you can't hear what they're saying. It, it's hard. It's yeah. hard to connect. Well, and then for those of you who are students, uh, I think we can all agree that what what is such a beautiful aspect of being a, a teenager, middle school, high school, is all these friendships that you're forming, and now all those relationships have been disrupted. So it's been months since you've seen people. Our son even was saying to us, that what, talk about what Cayman was saying, yeah. that, that was really actually insightful. Yeah, Cayman was just saying, you know, I have all these friends at school that I would like to see or connect with, but they're not like close enough that it would be awkward for me to contact them and be like, hey, you want to do a Zoom hangout? I'm not that close to them, but I'm used to seeing them in classes or hanging out with them at lunch. And we all have those kind of relationships with our coworkers. Maybe we're not super close to them, but it's still a relational input in our life that we're missing out on. And it makes us feel a lot more isolated. Yeah, we could go on and on and on about this. I think the other really weird thing is when you see somebody you haven't seen for a long time, 
you're doing a social distance gathering, what do you do? And then like some people, you know, they're going to come in for a kiss on the lips um, between the mask. And then there's the other, other people who are like, you know, if you come too close, like I was with somebody, tried to give them a foot five, they weren't even interested in a foot five. So, you know, it's, it's, it's what do you do? I mean, yeah. it's odd. It's it's, it is an awkward yeah. season of life, right? Mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that it is very difficult to connect in COVID. You probably don't need me to tell you all that, but I think sometimes just hearing somebody else say, I'm in the struggle with you, it's hard for us. It's awkward leading our staff. We get everybody together outside, social distance for gatherings of prayer. Um, and then in that instance, everybody's got a face mask on. You can't see people's expressions. I mean, yeah. there's just so much that's hard about this season. Yeah. Totally. So the question we're wrestling through, all that to set up, how do we connect in COVID? That's what we want to talk about. How do you connect in this season in a very practical way with all the limitations, knowing that it is still possible to do life according to God's design, according to God's ways in the midst of crisis? So my message or our message today is titled Connecting in COVID. We're going to look today at a couple of passages of scripture. Uh, And in these passages of scripture, we're going to see how God designed community to function. The first one we're going to find in Acts chapter 2. And this is the early church. This is right after the resurrection of Jesus. This is after the Holy Spirit has come and powered the early church. Peter has preached this powerful message, one of the early followers of Jesus, and 3,000 people in one day make a decision to follow Jesus. And then in Acts 2, in this historical account of the early church, we see these beautiful words describe what the early church was like. Yeah, it's a real idealized version of community. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracle, many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money that they had with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Beautiful picture right so there. So good. Yeah. It's like, it's like the romanticized version of community, right? Yeah. Where, where you, when, whenever you enter into a relationship or a new community for the first time, we all do this where we're like, wow, this is an amazing place to be, or these people are amazing, or, or maybe you enter into a new dating relationship. This person is so amazing, and it's very idealized and romanticized, and, and that's what they were experiencing at the beginning of the early church. Just everything was so good. But then, Everybody knows if you hang in with relationships long enough, you're going to go through a disillusionment phase where things don't look so good anymore. And that person chews their gum right in my ear whenever we're having small group time or that person does this really annoying habit. And and so we go through a disillusionment where these people are not perfect and we see their sin and, and things start to negatively affect us. And so this amazing community of believers um, that we see here in Acts 2, we're going to flip over a couple chapters and we're going to see that they're starting to go through the disillusionment phase of community. So flip over to chapter 6 
in, in uh, Acts. Yeah, and what I, what I think is very important to recognize about this passage of Scripture as we read it is that people so often say, I mean, I've heard Christians say this, maybe you've never, never said it before, but I've heard a lot of followers of Jesus say, we want to be like the Acts, the church in Acts. And you have to wrestle through, well, what chapter of Acts are you talking about? Because in Acts chapter 6, it says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, so they were growing, and as a result of their growth and the good news of Jesus spreading, there were all these problems that started to arise. It says, um, there were, as they rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, which is interesting that even in the early church, they dealt with race issues like we face today in our society. The Greeks and the Jews, they're not, they're not getting along. There are all these problems that they're facing. And it says, um, they were saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So early on in the church, there are already all these problems that the early church is facing. And I wonder even if you look at these two passages of scripture, if that first passage, Acts chapter two, is like, man, that's what my relationships were like before COVID. I mean, it was easy to get along with people. We could get together and have cookouts, not have to worry about face masks, not worry about the awkwardness of should we hug or high five or foot five. Um, And it was a lot easier back then. But now this is what it feels like. I I would also remind you is that oftentimes we have a skewed view of what things were like in the past. And it was hard to connect in the past as well. It's just harder to connect in COVID. But I think it's important to recognize, and I want to empathize with you in this, if it feels difficult right now to connect, it's because it is difficult. If it feels harder for you to connect with the people in your life, your friends, your family members, your coworkers, your neighbors, if it feels difficult, guess what? It's because it is difficult, right? Yeah, and I think we just say that to validate the reality that everyone's feeling, that it, it's not easy right now. And, and so I feel like, you know, during this time, we have to make some intentional choices about what our value system is. And if we are going to um, be committed to actually connecting, because God's design was never for us to do life in isolation or alone, but God's design was He built us for community. So even when it's challenging, even when we face opposition to trying to connect with others, we have to make a values call in our life to say, I'm committed to community, even though during this season, it's taking a lot of extra work. Yep. So let's look practically, how do we connect in COVID? What does it look like to be on the solution side of it? Because you and I are framing the problem. And if you see the problem as an opportunity to grow in your capacity with relationships, you'll see it in an entirely different format or a different way. So in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus is teaching. And when he's teaching, he gives his disciples a new commandment. And when we look at this passage, it's important to understand Jesus has just gotten up from washing the disciples' feet. He washes their feet in a very unique fashion because for them, The foot washing was the lowest role in society. So Jesus assumes the lowest role in society to love his disciples right before he's about to be crucified. And he's giving them this message to frame the way that they look at their lives and their relationships before he goes to a cross. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says this. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, I love this phrase, your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. So for followers of Jesus, our view of the way that Jesus loved people is the lens through which we should see every one of our relationships. And Jesus says that 
There used to be all these commandments, 600 plus commandments that weighed you down in the Old Testament of scripture. I'm giving you one commandment that will drive your life. If you get this one commandment, if you get this one idea, it will change everything about your life. In fact, every other, he says one time, every other law and commandment, hang on two commandments, loving God and loving people. And the, the phrase that Jesus uses here that I want us to see is he says, just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So the picture of Jesus serving his disciples, washing their feet, giving his life on a cross for the sins of the world, that's the image of community. That's the image of relationships that God desires for us. So in the midst of COVID, it is still possible to be the kind of people that love one another, that put each other's goals and interests above our own. And we're going to look practically at two ideas that we see from this passage of scripture and from the life of Jesus that help us in our relationships. Yeah, so the first one is just that we want to take the initiative. And if if God uh, demonstrated that for us, it said that even while we were sinners, that Christ died for us, that we had nothing to offer him, but that even in the midst of our sin, even though we were dead in our transgressions, that Jesus died for us, he took the initiative. And so we want to be the initiator in our relationships. I know right now it feels really easy to sit back and to be secluded in your own home and to hope that someone else is gonna reach out to you. But what if we flip that? And what if we said, no, I'm gonna follow Christ's example. I'm gonna be the initiator. So I don't need to wait and hope that someone's gonna invite me to a Zoom hangout with my friends. No, I'm gonna be the one that sets that up. I'm gonna be the one that says hello first when I see someone at the grocery store and, and say something encouraging to them. I'm gonna be the one that sends that text to check in on a friend that, that God brought to mind. I'm gonna be the one that goes to my neighbor's house to take them a little gift because I'm gonna initiate. I'm not gonna wait for someone to reach out to me I'm going to be the initiator and I'm going to reach out to them. Yes. Remember these Legos, babe? Yeah. These, um, these Legos here represent our lives and our relationships. I'll give you one. I wonder if you'd like to connect with my Lego right here. <laughs> Would you like to connect? I always like okay. to connect with your Lego. Thank you very much. So <laughs> these, these Legos um, represent our relationships. And if you look at them, can you help me pull this off here? Yeah. If you look at these Legos... They're designed uniquely to connect. So there's one side of the Lego that is the underneath side where it is supported. And then there's the other side where the Lego supports another Lego. And in relationships, that's how God designed us. In Genesis chapter two and chapter one, especially, we see God's design for humanity. He looked at Adam and Eve and he said, it's not good, or he looked at Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. God designed you and me to be in relationship with each other, to need one another. And when we look at our lives, the, the question of the support system, we all have people underneath that are supposed to be supporting, and then we have people that we're supporting. So you have friends, maybe that you're a support to, you have coworkers that you're encouraging, you have family members around you that might be going through a difficult season, and then underneath you have people that are supporting you. Maybe it's a spouse, Maybe it's a good friend, perhaps it's your group leader, but somebody in your life is in that role. Healthy people have support and give support. Let me say that one more time. Healthy people have support and give support. And whoever is supporting you underneath relationally, that's how strong you'll be. So if there's not a good support system, when there's pressure, you'll, you'll falter. So the encouragement I, I have from looking at this passage of scripture is to see the kind of love that Jesus had 
for me. The kind of love that Jesus had for each of us was the kind of love that he sacrificed his life so that I could be made whole. The more connected I am to God, the more strong my relationship is with him, like we talked about last week, the more I can be a support to others. And when I frame through my mind this phrase, because Jesus stepped down, I can step out. When I see relationships that way, it changes things. You like that phrase right there? Preach it. That's a good one. Stacy likes all my little you phrases can, you can I turn come a up phrase, with. Babe. Sometimes in bed, I give her little phrases. Yeah. Like, like since Jesus stepped down, down you, you can, can scoot over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. I think that, you know, there in our culture, that there's this mentality of what's in it for me. We, we approach relationships that way. And if there's not something to be for us to benefit out of that relationship, then we don't want to engage with it. Yep. But that's not at all the example that Christ set for us. There was, there was no benefit for him to reach out to me. But, but he did. He took that initiation. He reached out. And then because of that, I can enjoy relationship with him. And, he, and I think that we need to have that sacrificial mindset when mm-hmm. we are entering relationships is that regardless of what someone can offer to me, I'm going to connect with them. I'm going to reach out and, uh, and serve them sacrificially. The Bible says that greater, man ha- or greater love has no man than this, that you would lay down your life for a friend. And so the kind of relationships and love that the Bible is asking for of us is that sacrificial love of others. Yeah. A practical question to wrestle through in your groups or in your conversations would be who's supporting you and who are you supporting? So who are the people in your life that are the infrastructure underneath that you're relying upon and who are the people that you're giving support to? And what if in every conversation throughout the course of your day, you flipped a lens and you said, okay, today when I hop on that Zoom call, I'm going to try to support somebody. Today when I go into a conversation with a coworker, I'm going to be the encourager. When I walk through the door or when I come out of my office at the end of the day or I converse with a, uh, my sister or somebody in my family, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work intentionally because of Jesus' love for me. I'm going to support the people around me. Another one of my little phrases, I know Stacy likes it, I'll let you say it. No. Go Support somebodies who are supporting somebodies. I like that. So good. Yeah. Come on, so somebody. Try, try to find somebody <laughs> in your life who's supporting somebodies and support that somebody who's supporting somebodies. And this is, this is how influence grows, is finding people who are encouragers and then be a support to them as well. That's point number one, be the initiator. Yeah. All right, second point is to be intentional because we all know that relationships don't just happen by accident, not anything of worth or meaning, that you have to be intentional to commit. And there's this, uh, there's this side of, our, of all of us that we like to keep our options open when it comes to relationships. We wanna see what else is out there that might be a little bit better. But at some point you have to be intentional to say, no, I'm gonna commit to this one. Like we were talking about that at the beginning of a relationship, you go through that romanticized period, that idealized side of community, and then you go through um, disillusionment. But then if you will stick with it through the disillusionment, if you will stick with it through everyone's imperfections and sins, and you see the real underneath, then there's this commitment that comes in, this intentionality, this loyalty that enters into the relationship. And that's where true community can take place. Yeah. Getting really practical, 
um, again, it's harder to do this during COVID, which, which is odd because a lot of us are spending less time in cars now. We're spending less time in a building for work, but we're busier than we were beforehand. And if we're not careful, we'll drift into that busyness further and further and we'll be always on. So the kids are going to sleep and I'm still working after they're in bed. Or maybe um, if you're a student, you're just always surfing on the net trying to get schoolwork done. There's never any time where you're turning it off and that eventually will erode your relationships. So we've had to make some choices, even in our own lives, to be more intentional. It's harder to have a date night. It it's harder for us to go out. We, we were able, when restaurants were open for like uh, one week, we went out and had... It was glorious. Yeah. It was a glorious moment. We enjoyed it. Um, and then, uh, so we've had to like work hard yeah. to invest even in the relationships in our home. So for example, I work from home most days, uh, other than the days when we're capturing our services I'm doing big meetings at the, the building, but uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm doing individual time alone or lunches with the kids. So I'm taking one kid out on Tuesday, one on Thursday. Wednesday night, both of our stu- uh, kids are at students or both of our older kids are at students. So I'm with our daughter at that time and I'm doing time with her. Um, we have time after the kids go to sleep multiple nights a week where we'll maybe watch a show together and that's like an at-home date night. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other intentional things that we've done during COVID that we found helpful? Yeah, so we have a group of other couples that we're close to that we intentionally will try to connect with on Zoom Hangouts um, every, once every week or two um, just to connect and say hello. Um, we have both been involved in echo groups that we've been leading and hosting and um, that's been a really life-giving experience. And, you know, even the so that is challenging. I know we've talked about how at the end of the day, if you're involved with a job that requires you to be on Zoom for multiple hours throughout the day, honestly, when you get to the end of the day, the last thing you feel like doing is jumping on another Zoom call for your echo group. But we were just talking about how important it is to overcome that that hump and mm-hmm. be intentional about right. that commitment because maybe that's the most life-giving hour of your week where you're intentionally in conversation with some people who are talking about your relationship with God, how you're doing emotionally and spiritually, providing that sense of encouragement to you. And so even though there are these barriers that prevent us from wanting to connect, that maybe it's easier to isolate, that we have to make that intentional choice to say, no, I value community, I value connection, and I'm going to be intentional to create it. For us as a church, this is so important. When we look at the season that we're in interpersonally, the season that we're in as a country, the season that we're in as a church, there's nothing that is more important than what we do as our groups. And I want to encourage you right now that there are a couple of choices that you can make around groups. One of the choices that you can make is to be a host this fall to host a group. Some groups will be Zoom. Some will be at a park, socially distanced. Um, and those different options, you can do groups for students. You can do groups for uh, coworkers. You can do groups around deep Bible studies. But there are so many different options. We have great resources. In fact, today, if you click on the check-in button, you can see a place where you can say, I'm interested in hosting or leading a group, and we'll send you resources to get connected. Others of you, today you can make that decision that I'm going to be a part of community. I'm going to engage in groups. In fact, you'll see an opportunity even with the check-in button to express that interest. We want to help you get connected into community. And what you see when you connect into community is that group ends up being an opportunity every single week for you to be around other people digitally, uh, for you to be around other people in conversation to connect 
so that you can encourage one another. It puts into your calendar, it habitualizes something that is so incredibly important for your growth as a human. And it takes hard work. It's very difficult. It's important for us to recognize relationships are hard work. Healthy relationships require the willingness to work hard to make that relationship flourish. And sometimes even when you start in community, it doesn't go as you anticipate. And I would love for you to hear Alex and Grace's story of how they've gotten connected in groups, how it was hard at first, but that commitment made a massive difference in their growth spiritually. Let's watch their story together. I'm Alex. I'm Grace. We've been attending Echo for over a year now, and we serve as group leaders. Before Echo, uh, both Grace and I were in a were doing long distance uh, relationship, and she was in Australia and I was in Southern California, but we wanted to be together, so. Uh, God made a way for both of us to move to the Bay Area. We really wanted to prioritize finding a community because both of us um, really valued friendships and people to really deeply connect with. In the Bible, it always tells us that we are meant for community. We are meant to grow together and not alone. So for both of us, that was a huge priority. We looked around the Bay Area for several churches, but we landed on Echo, mainly because it had great community and there were a lot of options for groups. It was so great to be able to see that, wow, it's so easy to get plugged in and to find um, different interest groups and people our age and people in your life season, what, wherever you are. We got plugged into a summer group, which was our first group um, last year. Afterwards, we decided to lead our own groups, and this past summer, we co-led together a hope group. I, I definitely had hesitancies, like, am I good enough for this? Can I facilitate conversations? Am I even that knowledgeable in theology and the Bible? Um, but really, through, the, through my experience, I discovered that you just need to be faithful with the people that you've been given. I think right now everyone is so separated physically, but it was really surprising for us to see how close we could become with total strangers we had never even met before, mm -hmm. um, just over a video call. My advice would be for people who are checking out groups, it takes time. Your first group might, that you join might not be it, maybe not the second, third, even 10th. For us personally, it did take some time to, you know, check out different things, check out different groups and events and people and um, to see, you know, where is our tribe, who is our core community, who are the believers that we can run this race with together and really spur each other on in our faith. So there's just been so many connections made through our groups, um, but that wouldn't have happened unless we had kept going and believing that God has something really good in store. So you can see in Grace and Alex's story that their first attempt at community didn't go so well. Yeah. But they decided that they valued community. They valued connection and that they were gonna jump right back in and give it another go. And so I just wanna encourage you, no matter where you are in your past experience with trying to connect with other people, I know it's been hard. Maybe you've gotten burned, but don't give up because there's something beautiful that God has in store for you. And He wants you to lean into community, to be the initiator and to be intentional to connect during COVID. Our goal here as a church is to help you in your journey spiritually to stay in that place of connection. And that decision today to sign up to lead a group, to sign up to host a group, uh, to be involved in community is one of the most important decisions that you can make. And I believe when we look to the future, this decision is the most long-term decision that you can make and we can make for the health of our lives, 
for the health of our church. I want to encourage you right now to make that decision. Others of you today, you're hearing this good news about God's love for you, that Jesus came to die on a cross, that he gave his life for you so that you can be forgiven, so that your past can be wiped clean. Today, you can have relationship with God that begins anew, that starts right now in this moment. By faith in what Jesus did on a cross and his resurrection, relationship between you and God can begin right now. If that's you, I want to encourage you today to make that decision by praying in faith to God. Right now, you can just say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. I believe that you conquered the grave. Please forgive me for my past. I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer today to surrender your life to Jesus, you made such an important decision. We'd like to invite you to let us know by clicking on that check-in button. There's a place you can say you made a decision. Others of you, maybe today you're saying, I need to make that decision to go public with my faith in baptism. You can do that by clicking. We have a baptism coming up very soon. There are so many next steps that we can take today. And right now, as we finish up our time together, we're going to go into a moment of response where we we say, this is what we're doing. This is my yes back to you. And one of the most important yeses that we emphasize every week here is our yes with our generosity. And babe, I'd love for you just to talk today as we give as a church why generosity is so important to our family. Um, One of the things I love about you is you're one of the most generous people that I know. Um, multiple times throughout our marriage, as you've had jobs, you basically just want to give everything that you make away, <laughs> which is awesome. Sorry about that. Um, no need to apologize. In fact, you've inspired me to live with a greater sense of generosity. And I'd love for you to talk about that, like the joy of generosity for you as you give back to our church and ministries in the community. Talk about that. Yeah, well, you know, I think that I'm really blessed because my parents raised me that way. And so for me, I never even saw that portion of my money as my money. It was just, it was to give away. It was like joy money. Like, who can I bless with this money? It's not even mine. And so for me, it's just so, it's so much fun to like think, this isn't mine anyway. I just get to choose how to use this to bless other people and to advance the kingdom of God. And so when I see what our church is doing and to minister to people, to connect people, to help people that are struggling, to help marriages, to help children. I just feel so much joy that my money got to be a part of that, that money that got entrusted to me. And I just keep thinking you can't outgive God. And so sometimes I think maybe I I give away more than God intended for me to give away, but I just do it with the belief that you can't outgive God. And if he didn't intend for me to give that away, he can somehow get it back to me. But it's just so much fun to live with that open hand surrender. And instead of feeling like nervous or protective or I have to hoard, it's just like, you know what? God's in charge. I don't really need to buy myself another pair of shoes. I would rather give it away. It's more fun to me to give it than to Amen. So as we give today, we give joyfully knowing that God is using our generosity to make a difference. So we invite you to participate by clicking on that link, going to uh, echo.church slash giving. And we look forward to seeing what God is going to do through your generosity in the coming weeks. Stacey, will you pray for us as we wrap up our time together? Father, thank you so much for this time that we've shared, Um, even virtually, Lord, as we're gathered together virtually all over the Bay Area, even across the world. 
Lord, we know that your spirit is with us. You're with us in our living room. You're with us as we're out for a jog. You're with us in our car as we're driving. That wherever we are, Lord, you've promised that you were there as well. And so we pray that you would take these words from your word that have been communicated today and that you would seal them in our hearts, that you would use them to motivate us to reach out for community and for connection during this difficult time. I pray that whatever our next step is as a result of this message, that you would give us the boldness to take it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.